Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Hello, I'm Paul. Uh, as Peter said, I'm from the, the Government Digital Service, which is part of the Cabinet Office. I'm a real-life civil servant. Um, I kind of The talk I wanted to talk about was, um, but I didn't feel brave enough to put in the, uh, in the abstract, is registers, boring but necessary. Um, and I went to a hack day the other week, uh, accountability hack, where the parliamentary digital service were there. And uh, Dan Barrett said this amazing thing, which has stuck in my head since. And it kind of, it's, it's kind of what way we sort of feel about what we're doing. You know, I think we've got quite a big vision about what we're trying to do, but actually the way that we get there is by doing some small things that are transformative. So what do we mean by government? Um, so the Government Digital Service, one of the things we did um, early on was to look at the way that government publishes information. And um, you know, driven by a nice letter from Martha and Fox, we produced this sort of single domain for government. And so the mantra was, you know, people shouldn't really need to understand um, government to interact with it. And so here's one, a one I won't say one-stop shop, but one place to go uh, where most of that information is available. And some of the things, uh, the needs that are, are satisfied or we aim to help with are pretty mainstream. Um, you know, what to do when somebody dies is something I imagine we all, well, don't want to visit, but when you're in that situation, you can really empathise with people who do visit that page. And making that information really clear really helps a lot of users. Um, government publishes a lot of information about itself and like what it thinks and what it's going to do. So this is before Gov.uk. Um, there were 14-odd um, policies on what the government's going to do in Afghanistan. And by bringing people together on a single platform, a single place, it sort of um, allowed them to sort of, you know, start to work together and sort of like produce one statement for what the government was going to do. Um, something that's really in our sort of, in our ethos, and is something that wasn't there right from the start, but although we talked about it, I think I can sort of safely um, uh, thank Lisa Reichardt, who was, who's now working for the, the, the Australian uh, Digital Service, um, was really making us be more honest about using user research. And user research, actually confronting yourself with the people who are trying to use your thing, is the, most, the thing I've learned most from working at GDS. And I would never try and make something now without actually watching people use it or talk to them. One of the things we do know is, um, and this is a thing, is that most people have a, a sort of a perception of government as being like one thing, one place to go. Um, and in reality, it's, it's very federated. And that's because of um, organizational you know, structures. Are quite often, big organizations are federated, and there are sort of you know, lots of fiefdoms and things going on. But a lot of this is around democratic. Um, you know, need so by for democracy, uh, some things are separate. Doesn't mean that we can't sort of try and make it clearer about how that that works. So on gov.uk is a list of government organisations. Um, so that's that's one definition of what we mean by government. But a lot of these things are um, partitioned by geography. This is something I love to have the data for. Um, it's one map. There are many models and many maps in government. I really like this one. It's a, a PDF, which is um, a list of all the geographies in the UK. So sometimes, you know, you might think, I can build a list of schools. But actually, you know, schools are managed by Welsh government differently to the managed by Scotland and to England. So <laughs> Department of Education just does England. So, you know. And then, um, then there are things like, there's lots of things on vellum. Um, so legislation has uh, got lists in there. This is a... Um, a statutory instrument's published once a year. Um, I've met some of the people who wrote this thing, and um, and they do obsess about where the the goes and you know the names of organisations. But some of those names are different to the ones on gov.uk, and they're different different ones on websites. It's just it's one of those things we have to deal with. And if you think a government organisation is, I'm sort of saying that's a little bit wafty. Um, actually, what a public, what you might think of as a public body is definitely uh, a movable feast. So the list of um, organizations who can buy services from the Crown Commercial Services Digital Marketplace is a list of government agencies, organizations, it's schools, it's academies, 
Uh, it's charities funded to some level, I think 50%. And so that kind of business rules that determines what they think of as a public body is different to the business rules which determine what Land Registry thinks of as a government, or, you know, as a government organisation or, and so forth. Um, so when it comes to transforming government, we're, we're definitely in GDS, we're definitely thinking about primarily around you know, central government things, things which are on Gov.uk. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't have an impact elsewhere and help work with others elsewhere who are in the wider public sector or even commercial sector, I guess. And we've had a few goes at sort of um, trying to understand how to change uh, the way that, you know, give people better tools to make better services for users. Um, one of them was a program. So a program means a set piece of work over a period of time. So for two years, we worked with 25 services and tried to transform them. And I think whenever you see a, a service or you see, like, a here a register and you hear a platform, we're going to talk about those in a second, uh, remember there's a team behind those, there's a group of people. And something we definitely believe is that group of people, you know, the, the, this unit of responsibility, they're the ones who decide what gets made. And a digital team is not just a group of techno technology people or a group of policy people. It's, it's all those people smooshed together. Um, anybody can make something, anybody can buy something. To, but to make or buy the right thing, you need a very diverse team. And so one of the examples I worked on uh, was in the land registry. We started quite late uh, because we had a false start. Um, but at some point we said, okay, well, let's, let's try and build a concept of what land registry you know, could be like in a digital age. And we had a team which had all those people in it. We had lawyers, we had operational staff, we had caseworkers. It was mostly land registry. Uh, there was a few sort of people from, um, from GDS in there. And we brought people in from, from outside. And we'd, it was great. You can, it was a really amazing place to work. And I learned loads. Um, and I'm forever grateful for the people from Land Registry I worked with, all of which who really cared about that institution. Um, they're working in a modern office. So they, they are obviously thinking about you know, becoming for the modern age themselves. Um, they have their own typeface. That's a thing. Um, they used to be in this building in Lincoln's Field Inn, which I, I loved. Uh, but they're now in that new office. Uh, so they have a, a history, and um, they've been around for a while, you know, I think it's 150 years. And what they do is fundamentally, you know, 150 years old, it's basically government cared enough about um, ownership of property uh, and to back that up, to create a register, a list of, of who owns what in the country. And a lot of this language, you know, that we use when we talk about registers in general comes from what we learned by working with Land Registry. One of the things they do is they build an index map. They have an authoritative register, and then they have an index map. And you can see some of those things as open data on, on, you know, on gov.uk. Um, this is my hero, uh, Theodore Burton fox -Ruoff. Um He's a chief land registrar in the 60s, and in the 80s, in his retirement, he wrote those books. One of my favorite is The Solicitor and the Silicon Chip. And... <laughs> The, in his books, he sort of set out some uh, principles about what the land registry was about, you know, what a register should do. And obviously, he was thinking about land, but it's, some of these things are quite general. So the first thing is, it, it should be a true reflection of what's going on. Now, obviously, all data is biased, and the bias of the land registry is transacting on land. But it's useful to know what the bias is, and if you can follow the law and see what's going on, and, the, and there's an organisation making sure that's right, that's great. The second principle, I think this is really um, important, and I've seen this, I, like, I really like some of the writings of the ODI, and especially particularly data spectrum, but this is quite binary. It's saying <laughs> stuff's either um, open, and to transact on land, you need to know what you can buy and sell. And then some of that stuff's sensitive, and you should keep that behind closed doors, behind the curtain. And then the third one is, um, and this is quite a good reminder, if government cares enough to create a list of things that it's going to call a register. There's a reason for that. It's probably some legal consequence to it being wrong, or, and in this case, it's backing up your, your house to the value of the house, actually. Land registry will, will you know, make, back your ownership of the house to the value of your house. So how do we get there? Um, <clears throat> so this is, I'm going to plant a few mental models into your head, um, and these may not stick, but I'll have a go. And the first one is um, this one. So I think by and large there's sort of three things that you sort of see from government in terms of services. 
And the first one is um, content. So in Gov.uk, what to do when somebody dies, you know, policy in Afghanistan. Just made for everybody to read. Then there's this thing called, well, there's a thing called services, and that's more like the kind of Amazon checkout. You know, it's just between you and government. You're interacting with government. And we're very strong on that, that services are verbs. They're, they're transactions. They're things you do, like apply for a passport, renew my driving license, pay my tax. And then there's this thing in the middle, which is uh, what you might call tools. And this is something I don't think we're doing very well on, if I'm to be honest, to be honest with you. Um, and there are lots of these things out there, but they're kind of like where you're looking at data or, or documents and you're trying to craft a query and just find the ones you want. And I think that's neglected, but that's something that we, you know, we can try and look into. Um, so if we were going to change government how, how, and help government change itself, you know, how do you do that for less money without too much having a massive team? So after the 25 uh, pro, you know, exemplar program, we had a retrospective, you know, and retrospectives are like, well, we all did our best work during that time. Let's not have a blame. Let's just say, if we're going to do this again, what will we do to make that better? And uh, I think it was Mark Furden gave a video on gubbins and government, and it's a really good video. I recommend it to you. And somehow that incepted a lot of people. So whenever we talked about this, we couldn't help but draw this diagram. It's a bit like the mashed potato in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're all sort of drawing this in various guises. Sometimes a circular, sometimes in a perspective, but they were always this thing. And it's this layered model. And the idea is that at the top, you need services which can bubble and boil, you know, react to what users need. Very adaptable. They can come and go. It's okay if they overlap. Um, and then you've got this kind of platform layer. So government has 780 services, say. Uh, it depends on how you count them. Um, but it had 700 contracts with taking payments. So making a shared platform where government can take payments means that, that one place can be reactive. So when a new thing comes along, um, like you know, uh, contactless payment or payment to the post office or whatever, uh, you can add it and it will be there for all the services at once. So again, reminding you that these are all teams. And then at the bottom is this thing called registers, which is basically the data you can trust and that's going to be around for a lot longer. So I kind of sketched this out a little bit to sort of show the layering, but your know, registers are really boring. They're just literally the data. And then, but the services are things that you would interact with and should change and whatever. And then because they're quite boring and, and quite federated, you do need some things to index them, as in the index map on the land registry. And behind all this is another thing which we wouldn't have got anywhere without Liam Maxwell. Uh, really attacking the way that we procure uh, stuff and that we deal with technology, and um, it, you know to change some of the things which are built like in you know together into things that you can assemble from the bits. You need lots of help on really boring things like contracts and just the way that we procure stuff. And so, it, you know, really what we're trying to do is create like a, a choreography, uh, you know, rules and principles which allow people to work it out rather than some kind of top-down sort of, you know, you will do it this way. And if the services are verbs, then the things that we're going to talk about today are the nouns, the registers. And so in legislation, I found about, well, with John Sheridan's help, found 900 odd things which sort of smelt like a register. Um, and quite often they're not written a register, they're written list or, you know, list of or whatever. And, but government does care about lots of things. These are just some things I found that, that smelt like registers. And if government cares, government cares about vehicles, so it has an organisation which, which tracks which vehicles are on the road. And it cares about um, landership, you know, because it's, it's trying to help you, and it cares about passports. So those things are all kind of lists. How much of that is behind the curtain and how much of it is open is, is to be decided, obviously. This brilliant book is uh, The Clock Along Now by Stuart Brand, who's thinking very much about long term. He's building a clock or there's a team building a clock which will uh, tick every year and, and chime every millennia. And so he's obviously thinking about the nature of things. And, you know, th this is a pace layering. And so I applied that model to what we're doing in government with that, that mashed potato diagram. And, you know, really services are very reactive, have to be very reactive. And platforms are meeting the needs of services. So by and large, the users of a platform are the teams making services. And registers, well, they're not 
always looking upwards. They're quite often looking downwards. They've been you've been instructed to keep this list. And so services are the verbs which act upon registers, but the shape of what a register is is quite often you know, in law. Now, that doesn't always lead to a good outcome. Um, so there's lots of these things around. I'll just pick this one at random. Um, paper forms in which the things you're asked for are text. And if you just put them onto the web as a digital thing and just made that a text box, you end up with where we are now, which is... So in open data, I found 12 different spellings of, uh, of Scotland because those things are just recorded as people type them. And sometimes people will defend this. They'll say, you know, we, our duty is to record what people said, not what they meant. Um, so I had a go at trying to tackle this with standards. So I, um, I put a challenge to the Open Standards Board, who can set open standards for government, and said, you know, there are 12 spellings of Scotland. Can we not find a code? that identifies a country. And I sort of went into this sort of um, world of what standards people call bike shedding. Lots of people were very uh, confident that their opinion was right. Um, and lots of people told me reasons why we couldn't have a code, that we couldn't tell, say definitively, government doesn't recognize Taiwan as a country or Palestine as a, a thing. And actually, it turns out we're quite clear about that. Um, so um, after a lot of... For, looking around on gov.uk, I found uh, this chap, Tony Warren, who um, works on geographical naming policy and sits on a permanent committee for geographical naming and has um, interactions with the ISO 3166-2 committee and uh, asks things like, what code do we use for Kosovo? We recognize Kosovo, but the UN doesn't. And he's a bit of a geek on names and, and codes. And when he gets stuck, he doesn't have to make things up. He doesn't have to bike shed. He can, um, he can ring up Ivory Coast and say, what you call Ivory Coast? Because he knows people in Ivory Coast. He sits in front of all those desks. So here's a person who's perfect to make our authoritative register of what we call countries in the UK, in the UK or what HMG calls countries. So, um, so this is where we're going, is we're trying to create like these nouns, country.register.gov.uk, so it's a, a, a place you can go for that one thing, that one sort of little small thing. And it turns out there's 199 records, that means 199 countries, and there's 205 entries. Um, I'll explain why. So an entry, um, so we do this thing where we sort of, we don't update things, we append to it. And so an entry is a, is a, is a change, is a, a statement. And those statements are grouped together by the key, which is the country code, the ISO 3166-2 country code. And you can see there's two to five entries, and these are things are added. Um, this is one entry. This is one that's fairly new. Um, so it turned, I don't know if you know, but Czech, the Czech Republic changed its name fairly recently. So the government still says the official name is the Czech Republic, uh, but the name you would use in a document or a letter will be Czechia. And um, you can find, given a code, just those entries. You can sort of see the history of things changing. Now, we can geek out about that, but I'll, I'll save that maybe for questions. Um, and so, you know, given the other thing to say is each entry has got a fingerprint, and this will be quite familiar to people who are into Git or blockchain or other things. You can sort of, you can identify where it came from. And if you change the data, then you change the fingerprint, so it's a different thing. And you can also get the data in different representations. So you can get it as JSON if you're a developer, um, a CSV in, if you're in spreadsheet land, TSV if you're in shell script land, and Turtle if you're in RDF world. So that's basically our strategy, is just try and pick some of these lists and just fix them one at a time. And hopefully as we do these lists, things get a little bit better. We're not going to just change government overnight. You know, that's not going to happen. Uh, but if we can make a few of these lists, then we'll start to pull away at that the sort of um, at, at the mess, if you like. Um, so how do we make that happen? We've got a small team. We're calling um, it's a highfalutin name, but the Register Design Authority. So basically, we're trying to sort of like say, you know, we're we're trying to control or edit or curate uh, registers. And we're building a service. So each register appears in a register of registers. And so 
the service we're building to update the register registers is a, a service to actually assess whether registers should be a thing. And we've written some guidance on gov.uk. That's the primary place to go to find out about registers. And um, so I really enjoyed your talk, Peter. I mean, it was, it was really good because you actually alluded to a lot of the things we've been thinking about, but through the comedy value of, of cats in government. You know, government talks about cats. And, um, you know, so could we make this a register? And I just picked this as a thing to talk about, uh, which goes through some char characteristics. So we talk about um, things being canonical, and that's a bit of a fancy pants word for saying, you know, are you the source of truth? Right, so there are lots of, data is by and large made, made by people observing things, right? And we're trying to tighten that up a bit and sort of say, okay, if you're part of the process that creates a government department or creates a school or creates a, a cat in government, a government cat, you should be the per that should be the one place, you know, when you're making those things, when you're recording those things, you should the person who lists those things. Because anybody can observe things and you might get bored observing them. But being the person who's in charge of that 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 bureaucracy, that thing that makes the thing exist, that gives you power. And the other thing is so you can see where I'm going with this, the cat register. <laughs> I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> What's the reason for them to exist? You know, can you create can you have a cat in government without being on the register? I think possibly you could. Uh, but maybe we could write legislation to say you can't have a government cat without going to the cat registrar and, and registering on the register, at which point then we'll do it. The other thing is, quite often, um, when something's not nailed down, when there isn't a register, there are lots of these observations. So we found this with countries. We found 16 lists of countries uh, on gov.uk and in services, which, were, which had differences. Um, and we found it with local authorities. Local authorities are a little bit more subtle in that the meaning of a boundary is different to the meaning of the local authorities and organisation. Uh, so some of these are legitimate and possibly are other, are other possible registers. Um, but we sort of compare and contrast those things. I think, as far as I know, yours is the only cat register around, so you're doing quite well there. Um, the other thing is, you know, they're a kind of minimal thing about that thing because you want to trust that other people are recording the things that you're pointing to. Um, so we have this process which we're documenting. So each register is basically a standards process. It's like, how does this thing become a thing you can trust? Um, so we grab a custodian, a person who's making those things. So in the case of local authorities, we found this guy, uh, Steve McAllister, who's in DCLG and um, departments for communities and local government, and he's writing statutory instruments. And he's working quite hard at the moment on Manchester, because Manchester is going through consultation and thinking about how it's going to be reorganised. So he's, he, if he doesn't, doesn't, I don't want to say he creates local authorities, but he's pretty close to the point where local authorities are made, because he's creating those, those documents, those vellum, which says that here the, here the things are. So when we talked to him, uh, there were quite a lot of people excited about this, who said, oh, yeah, you should have the website in there, you should have the email address, you should have the um, lots of things. And so suddenly this data gets quite baggy and wide. And, and every time somebody said that, Steve was getting more and more nervy because he doesn't track websites and he doesn't track email addresses. But he does track what government, local government organisations exist and what they're called. So he can just do that. And then we can create another list, which is here's a list of the websites and point them back to that list of organisations. And so this brings us to another point, which is they're alive. Um, so there's a team behind each register or a person behind each register. And that's because um, now there'll always be latencies. You know, things take a while to be agreed. You know, it took a while to, take, to agree that Czechia was a country. Uh, it's always the name for the country of Czech Republic. Um, but if you sort of, um, rather than taking your list of countries from Wikipedia and then forgetting to update it and never realizing Czechia has changed its name, it's quite nice to go to the authoritative source and then you can build your service and have a drop down of countries or a, a country picker that's, that's using your know, live data. And that demands looking at lots of registers because as I've been alluding to, this is quite federated and split apart. And then if you build a form to create a new thing, a service, so here's a prospective service to uh, register a pet shop, um, 
you're by picking from the register. The data you're making doesn't contain those, those, those spelling errors. It contains you know, codes, and those codes can be linked back to the register. And at least these become statements in time, um, which are more trustworthy, we hope, than just having text. And so to make that world work, we do sort of need a little bit of design. We need to argue about one of the hardest problems in computing, which is what to name things. So um, I noticed your cut register was pretty close to what we would do, apart from a few fields which we can nerd out about. Uh, but you know, for example, you have start date as one word, whereas we use start hyphen date. So it's just literally just tweaking a few things. Then suddenly, once you've, everybody's using start date, you can start to do things generically across all registers. So, you know, was it, when was this country established? When was, well, recognized? When was this company established? They were all, if they're all using the word start date, then you can start to sort of do stuff with that. This, this kind of view comes from something called microformats, um, which, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about in the past. Um, so the other thing we do is um, the names of the registers, we try and make those nouns, we make those meaningful as possible. Um, so you can see that schools, the Department of Education are, are working on an alpha for schools. So it's a school-ing, because they only do English schools. Um, but companies house company numbers are pretty much, they're definitely a thing. So this is what's called a Curie, um, which is a, there's a W3C spec for it. And so what you mean that, what you do is you turn that prefix into a URL and you add that on the end, and you've got a URL. So you, these are URLs, but they're kind of convenient URLs. So I, I had a go at sort of thinking about how that could help content. So a lot of content on gov.uk is written in Markdown, and this is like a, a really hand-wavy, wafty proposal, but I think it's got some legs. So you could say in, in a Markdown document, you could say the Czech Republic is country colon ZZ, CZ, and in Markdown, I don't know if you know, but you can, at the bottom of your document, create a four, you know, a, an index of all the things you've cited. And so you say, okay, the country CZ is, is actually the page on gov.uk for the Czech Republic. And so the, the hyperlink you've produced, it's got a human-readable name, um, and it's got a human-readable page to visit, but the country called Z, CZ is a, is a sort of persistent, reliable identifier for the country. And that's the kind of things we think that where the value of registers comes from. It's like not things we've really thought about very carefully. Just having things solid means that lots of other people can work out and do interesting things with it. So if you go back to the list of um, you know, what is government, you know, Crown Commercial Service has a list of people who can buy from government um, a 2.91 megabyte spreadsheet. And that could be reduced quite a lot by just having queries in there saying, you can buy from this agency, this, this local authority, this school, and point to the registers. So this is pretty nerdy. Um, but I think this comes back to um, what we learned at land registry, land, working with the land registry, was the importance of that system of record. I think uh, Sean Bean in Goldeneye talks about blowing up the land registry, amongst other places, to take Britain back to the Stone Age. So it shows the importance of this, this data. And um, so basically, um, the trouble is, in the digital world, as, again, as John Sheridan will tell you, uh, actually keeping things data alive is really hard. Um, so these, the, I don't even know these tapes here were sold uh, with pictures of steamrollers running over them. But they didn't, might survive a steamroller, but didn't survive my shed. So it's really just down to the fact that it's the data that matters, not the technology. The technology isn't that interesting. It's like a here and now thing. It's a service concern. But actually what we're really after is the data, you know, making that data long-lived. And Land Registry knew this. Uh, this is a document. Um, not, not a, they're a digital organization now. Uh, but they, um, they used to run these things called land, you know, land certificates. This is what a title used to look like. And land registry staff were taught how to tie knots. So you could tell whether this, this had been tampered with. And they probably could tell which office you know, tied the knot. So we want that same sort of thing. We want digital knots. What can we do there? And here again, you know, the blockchain kind of uh, world, there's lots of things going on there which are really interesting. Uh, one of the technologies they use, or the algorithms, or I don't know what the, what the right word is, but 
is a Merkle tree. And that's an efficient way of saying, is my thing in this list of things? And doing that with a high degree of integrity. And um, Phil Potter uh, wrote about this, um, blogged about this. I'll, I'll send some links at the end. But we worked with Google's um, certificate transparency team and friends in Shelton to think about how we can make that work well. And then the other problem we've got in government is there's lots of psychic paper. You know, here's my passport, here's my driving license, here's my fishing license. And, you know, this is a, I mean, this is an amazing thing. So Food Standards Agency are a brilliant organisation who really think hard about their public task, which is to stop us from getting sick from food. And this is a really good thing uh, they put out. I mean, I'm sure we all know about it. But, um, you know, Every now and then they pop up on eBay for you know three three ninety nine and then you know they swap them. But um, so can we make those things a bit more digital or have a link to the the, the blog? And obviously we we sort of made this prospective design working with with some of those uh, food science agency people. This is very early on and it's just it's it's not a thing. It's just an idea. But can we find ways of teasing back to the register from physical artifacts? So we talked about the curtain. Uh, the cats, and I don't think there's much sensitive in the cat register. And I think there might be some data in the cat register which you've observed or found elsewhere, but really we're trying to get to things being the authoritative list rather than being statistics. And the custodian, there you are. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I would say that um, a cat register is a real thing. I'm sorry, Peter. I'm, I have to apologise badly about that. The other thing I think where you're doing well, though, is on feedback. So for registers to work must respond to feedback. So at the moment, the latencies in addresses, for example, has every service assuming that the address that you drop down isn't going to be found, and here you can enter it again. And it'd be, the world we want to build is the one where that is fed back to the register rather than the service having to capture all the addresses it's kept you know, separately. So we can improve the data at its source. Um, so you can see there's a lot of work involved in this, um, even though the, the things we're doing that are practical are quite small. Um, yeah, the, the place to start is our guidance. Uh, I've put together a very informal page, a project page, which you can find out more about what we're doing. Um, this is really aimed primarily at ourselves to remember all the things we've said. Um, but yeah, you can visit, visit our link and see what we're doing. And that's my talk. Thank you. I'm sure we have some questions. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. So, sell off questions in the room. Just say who you are and speak into that. Uh, Vinny Gupta, formerly of Ethereum. Um, so, simple question. Uh, why not just one really big hairy register that stores everything? Well, inside, the government. inside government. Well, there's quite a few problems with that. I mean, I think the thing I was saying about democracy, I think that's quite important. That um, you know, we've, we've built this thing called GovUK Verify, which is about you know trying to vouch you know who you are to government when you're doing it. You're going to pay your tax. Am I really the person who's going to pay my tax? Um, and that was made very carefully uh, with lots of participation from you know people who cared about identity and privacy and other things. Um, and they have some quite strong principles around that. And one of those things, you know, is is it came off the back of there not being a single identity card for, for people in the UK. So, you know, if you look at the Estonian model where everything is, it's still federated, but they have one system, one number for people. Uh, we don't do that in the UK. So the list of your persona as uh, the keeper of a vehicle is different to your persona as a landowner. And that's just the way we are. So putting everything to one box kind of pulls apart on that. And then the other thing is also, um, it's just domain knowledge. So the principle of creating a passport is very different to creating a driver license. It's very different to creating a registry title. And it's the process you go through to do that is, is different. I mean, maybe the, you could have one you know, blockchain or something or list that was where it was all recorded. But I think that would work for things in front of the curtain, maybe. Um, but um, things behind the curtain, I think I'll get very nervous about that. So there's yeah. partitioning. Yeah. So there's partitioning to maintain uh, that's been done at kind of data separation level rather yeah. than, say, a cryptographic level. I think also devolution's a thing. You know, um, so, you know, with 
we're thinking about devolution from the get-go. You know, we're thinking about schools being maintained by England and Wales. And, you know, what happens if schools are maintained by Manchester? And, you know, could we tear registers apart as well as pull them together? So we're sort of really thinking quite carefully. Yeah, and, and long-term, I mean, this is way, way beyond what we're thinking, but, you know, private sector probably has a part to play in things, and so could we sort of set a standard that other people could fulfil and we could just trust their register? So I think this partitioning is really important. So, so to take a question that's just come in through Twitter from Beck Strickland, uh, what, she's kind of relevant as well to that last bit there. What happens if Cheshire splits in two? How well, do registers adapt to that kind of, not just a change yeah. of name, but to a change of the entity? So it's something that I thought, so the start of it, you know, if I was put in charge of government, which I'm not, there's a different career path for that. Um, so we just model the way things are. So actually, the way that uh, country IDs are managed is not in our hands, actually. It's in the hands of the ISO 316672 committee. So really, it's down to what they decide. And the way that the identifiers we have for schools are managed is... I'm just neglecting this side of the audience. So the way that schools uh, identifiers for schools are managed is, is quite... is not always the way you might expect. So sometimes, like when schools converted from a school to academy, sometimes they keep the same edge base number and other times they get a new one. And that's a case-by-case -case basis quite often. It's like, do you want a new identifier or not? And so I think registers, we can probably, as going forward, we could probably tighten some of that best practice up or learn from each other. But at the moment, it, we're just trying to record things the way they are and the way they're managed. Is that a good answer? I'm not sure. It's, it's quite a big subject, that, actually. So it comes in. Yeah. Question here at the front. Oh, hello. My name's Hugh Barnard. Um, actually, funnily enough, this follows on from Vinay's question and comment, is it actually seems to me that since you're standardizing all the data names, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, you are actually building something that is virtually not monolithic, but in interrogable yeah. over the whole set of it. And I'm just wondering mm. what kind of manpower is put it into the ethics of privacy um, into the uh, layering of what's private, what's public, because right. it seems to me that there is a potential problem okay, so, in so, this whole so thing. So can I reassure you that the thing we're working on here is definitely in front of the curtain, and different tools and techniques and probably technology will be applied to data that's private. Right? So quite often, with open data, it's, we want people to take copies of it because actually we want horcruxes, we want data all over the place. So if something goes bang in the middle, then we can work out whether things are out there or not. But when it comes to private data, well, you know, it's a different model. It's sort of like things are, tend to be in one place, and, and usually you ask questions about data rather than actually getting copies of the data. So, you know, at the moment, my, my daughter has got a driving license to get a drink, um, not because she wants to drive, because she wants to get a drink. So she, but she shows random bouncers her name, her date of birth, her uh, home address, and whether she can drive a tank and whether she's got endorsements to get a drink. And that kind of minimising the amount of data that's exchanged is, is something that, that another team are thinking about. Sorry, just to ask a supplementary question, what sort of kind of size and manpower have you got working on that? Well, we're a small team, so yeah. it's early days. I mean, um, in terms of, um, there are lots of people thinking about, so one of the brilliant things about being in the Cabinet Office is you can learn from government. So lots of things going on across government. There's people working with blue badges, there's people working with... Um, in home office, and we can talk to those people and we can learn from them and try and build patterns, establish patterns across them. There is a team looking at that patterns at the moment. And there's, um, there are people actually making things which you know, are things which you could take forward. Um, so I mean, our team is very small, but government's quite big. Okay, thank you. Uh, James from the Department for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, um, formerly GDS team. What blockers are you coming up against? Where, where are you finding people are going, oh, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want you to do this? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I don't think I've done the best or we've done the best value, um, explanation of the value of this. So sometimes, like the 12 swings of Scotland, I can show it to people who are quite high up um, and they might just say, well, so what? You know, and because they're not dealing with spreadsheets and trying to work out, you know, what that means. So we have written a lot about what we're trying to do and trying to build like a message. 
Um, but sometimes it's not the most pressing thing and it's not seen as the highest value. We are doing quite remedial, boring work. And that's not always the way to excite people higher up. You know, uh, that's just a thing. Um, the other thing we've got is there are people who've got, you know, different visions, competing visions. That's, 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 that's normal. So trying to be as inclusive as possible and that we are doing linked data and we are doing CSV stuff. But, you know, I guess we're trying to do an act of standardization that there's lots of ideas and then can we make something that we all works for everybody? And that's a lot of energy as well. Um, I think, I mean, it'll stand, it'll live or die based on its value, you know, whether it works or not. So, you know, although we might come across having hubris and, you know, being, you know, we're not doing it to people, we're trying to make something that works for, because if it doesn't work, then it's the wrong thing. So, so part of this, I think, if we can make progress with a few lists and we can start to show the value, then other people will want to participate. And if we've got it wrong, then, crikey, I don't want to, I don't, I'd be dreadful, wouldn't it, if, I, if we impose it across government. You know, as Liam Maxwell says, um, you know, people don't come to work in government for the money, they come to work to cock up at a national scale. And I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want that to be the outcome, you know, so, yeah, we're very careful about what we're doing. Hi, it follows on nicely because you've just said it'll live or die depending on whether yeah. people use it. Yeah. But to some extent, the converse is true. People will use it if we think it's going to live. And I'm yeah. just wondering how, how yeah. we address that because, you know, how, yeah. with how much confidence I can build an infrastructure which relies on these and associated with that is, do you have met DCAT style metadata which talks about quality, timeliness, longevity? Um, so that we can put some numbers to that. So there's two questions there. So the second one I can answer quite quickly, which is we can generate, so metadata is something you can generate from the data. You know, we, we can layer on top of it. And we are thinking, you know, we are looking at those things, but actually they're things which we can, I can generate OWL, I can generate, you know, whatever you want, you know, so. Um, I guess I'm asking if there are standard fields where you say, if you're going to create one of these, you've got to yeah. say who the custodian is. You've got to say how oh, yeah, you yeah. So that's the service it, that sort of stuff. Got you. And that's yeah. machine readable. And yeah. it gives us faith in its yes. existence. So there is a register of registers, and we can ex we're learning how to expand that. The service we're building for establishing a register will collect metadata. One of the things we're working on at the moment, for example, we don't have all the answers. So we're trying to work out what it means to be a custodian. Is that the organization or is that a person? That kind of thing. So we're just learning as we go along. Um, the trust thing is really hard, right? So you know, I, I heard one organization which was 150 years old say, I don't, we can't trust this other organization, which was 90 years old, to be around forever, right? So trust is really hard, right? Uh, and I think the best we can do is just to start to give people ways of trust, you know, trusting is enough, but having ways of mitigating it if it does, does disappear. I mean, you know, nothing's forever. Um, Rick Chandler, Ema. Um, Really, I was wondering if you've got mechanisms for, uh, look, I mean, you're looking inward, looking at outward, what other, other governments uh, oh, maintain yeah. about us. Yeah. I, mean, we, I mean, a good example is the country domains in the internet with .uk. Every, on everything else, I think it's GB. Yeah. Um, we've got have no, no way of influencing in that. And, uh, I mean, do you have mechanisms for influencing so other governments and what they say about us? That's not me, but that's, that's like people like Tony who are domain experts in that area. Um, I know Iana you know, used UK and ISO used GB. It's I mean, yeah, I mean that's 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 sort of something which I could bike shed about. But the people, I would defer to the people who are in those organisations. But government does represent itself at lots of organ standards bodies. So. Another question from the internet. Yeah, uh, we've got a question from John Adams from DFID, the Department for International Development, uh, who asks: Apart from cat registers, what's the most important single register you could build in 2017? What would have the highest value? Well, I mean, I was, I was expecting somebody to go there, but I'll go there, shall I? So addresses. Everything happens somewhere. It's quite hard to, you know, that's one of our blockers. You know, we we want stuff to be open, um, and. You know, uh, I've, I've built services where we've had to involve a contract lawyer to, to scale it, a seasonal service where suddenly we have lots of users and we don't know how to spin up more machines without talking to a, a contract lawyer. To, and that's what open source software saves you from. 
And I think with open data as well, I mean the Open Data Institute, the value of open data, it just removes that friction. Um, so there is a work underway to explore options to how to get to an open address register. So I just trust, I'm hoping that that pays off. Hello, uh, Michael from Parliament. Um, where, where would the links live? So if you had a register of schools and a register of local authorities mm. and a register of addresses, what would would there be a tie from the school to the authority or the school to yeah, the address? Yeah, there, there is, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so it quickly becomes a whole data model and not just that. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's emerging, really. We're definitely doing an emergent one. I know you're, you've done, you're genius at sort of like, you know, big models, but um, the approach we're taking is um, working at, things out as we go along and we have looked ahead we looked far enough ahead to not be worried um so so the a good example of that is something like a local authority so local authorities and organization has lots of different roles so you know the joke is that um so one of the things we learned from the local authority register was they're not hierarchical uh, i think that people think they can go to the district council and then when they don't get satisfaction go to the county council and tell on them and that's not how it works so we don't have a hierarchy in the local authority register. We expect geography to explain that. So if it's a register of local boundaries, the link to the, then you could start to work out what the overlap was. And similarly, um, if a local authority is inspecting, doing food inspections, then the food authority register should point, tell you which one it is. And um, if a local authority is in charge of schools, uh, again, the, the LA register would tell you whether you know that that was the case as it grew over time i did i did put one in a blog post actually um i think there's one called how registers emerge and i did sort of do a sketch of that so it's like the tagging is by the things that link to it so it's totally a linked data model you know i mean we're definitely thinking about that but we're just trying to um you know turn down the academic sort of because we're trying to sell you know what we're doing uh, but there, it is linked data yeah Um, hi, Paul. Um, I'm Brian Condon. Uh, hi. I was really interested in your use of the term canonical. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm assuming you were using it in the kind of computer science sense of the uniqueness of the yes. descriptor. It's a highland sense. There should yeah, be only but there's one. Also, yeah, there's also a kind of physics sense of using it in that it's oh. a statistical representation of the microstates of a system. Wow. And I was thinking about... Um, <laughs> I'm about, scared now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should be scared. Um, I, I was thinking about the disadvantages of using registers. I mean, yeah. you've been very clear about the advantages. Right. But it seems to me there are some inherent disadvantages. And I'm thinking now about resilience. Yeah. And also the very fact that the uniqueness that you're looking at in a register, surely that yeah. creates a kind of vulnerability. And I know, I know it's confusing if there are 14 different sources of policy, but if you reduce all those sources of policy to one source... And then that gets tampered with or gets yeah, lost. Yeah. So I'd be interested to hear yeah. your kind of thinking about that. Right, so I used the word Horcrux earlier, which is basically saying, you know, I think it's just the way government is. You know, there's yeah. one land registry, you know. And um, so, well, it's not actually. There's one in Scotland as well. But, um, but <laughs> there's, you know, one place where statements are made. And we're just trying to say, okay, those, the statements those, that, that organisation's making should be, you know, the source of truth for something. But if that's not to say that we're trying to create, um, you know, because I'd rather have a mess than the wrong abstraction which I think is probably where you're going a little bit. Yeah, um, and so in that respect, um, I think a list of local authorities as being legal entities with a town hall or whatever, and then a list of waste authorities kind of gets that where you don't sort of say, okay, we're going to tag things in one place. We're going to sort of like have things linked to it. And, and then the other thing in terms of data, the, um, the idea is it being open. The open data is a brilliant way to get backups. You know, your, back, your website, my website went bang. And I went to archive.org because, you know, they could copy it. So the more copies that people have, the better. And some of the things we're trying to do with proofs is say, I've got a copy of a register. Um, is it good? Is it, has it been tampered with? And if lots of people have got copies, then we can start to be a bit more, less scared about, you know, the one thing going away. I was sort of thinking about being approximately right rather than being oh, right. completely wrong, if you said, I mean, precisely oh, wrong, approximately right rather than precisely yeah. wrong. But so I yeah. think the, the th maybe the thing to reassure people about is um, 
we are talking about a mystery of data here, you know, like data that, that has, you know, a reason to, to exist in terms of can I drive a vehicle is a binary question. But if you want to do something like GEP or something, you want data from lots of different sources, which are probably not administered at all. And so think statistical approaches, that's a different mindset. And we can help that a little bit, but it doesn't answer it. I mean, you need statisticians to do statistical work. Yeah. Cool. Any more questions in the room? That's enough. So actually, just one from me. Okay. <coughs> Which is, so as I, as I think of these things, I think they're brilliant. And I think it, the whole concept of getting the data out there so people can build easier services on it. The, and going back maybe to actually to the point around authoritative and canonical, yeah. are there uses for registers in the outside of government? So, for example, yeah. a supermarket chain saying, here's our register of our supermarkets. Yeah, I think awesome. I think Food Standards Agency, I was saying I think I really like them because they do think about their public task and they look for data in lots of different places that you know, so you have to be careful about some of that stuff, obviously, but you know, I think they are canny enough to be careful. Um the work that we're doing is in the open. It's open source software. We're trying to create standards that other people can adopt and contribute to. So um yeah, if it's got value to a supermarket chain, there's nothing we couldn't stop them from using it because we've licensed it in such a way they can use it and we can't stop them. So um, I think this idea about, um, so there, there are lots of lists of things like conveyances and GPs and uh, which aren't, it's not clear to me because I don't know, I haven't really looked at them too closely, but I think list of conveyances is maintained by the law society. So for government to trust their list, maybe there's some things they could do rather than us keeping our own lists uh, and observing what Law Society is doing, maybe we could push things out, but that feels like a long way off. You know, before we would actually go to them and say, use this, because we can't. Well, we can't impose it on them, that's the whole point, but we also probably haven't got a brilliant offer yet. Cool. Thank you very much. So I think that brings us to the end today. Thanks. So yeah. Thank you very much, Paul. Okay. Thank you for the questions we got in. For anybody watching at home, so next week's uh, lecture is Stuff That Our Labs Team Have Built. <laughs> now, I think I meant to summarise that as it's, a it's an internet-connected shed, a quantified boy, and an internet of poo. They're actually a darn sight more useful in solving real social problems than those descriptions may sound. Uh, there's, some, there's actually some stuff about it in Wired magazine last week. Uh, so have a look for that. It's going to be a great little talk again, things you can really do practically at home. Thanks very much. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.